the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League, your number one source for all the league's top headlines. Here's your host, Justin Kinner. Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. We welcome you in, everyone. I'm Justin Kinner, your host, and I'm excited to transition into the interview portion of the podcast. We have a huge matchup on ESPNU coming up this weekend. Friday night, the Wright State Raiders, the number one team coming into the season, according to the uh, the preseason poll. And then you have the Cleveland State Vikings, who have been quite the surprise, not just in the league, but around college basketball. An 8-0 and start, sitting atop the conference, already taking two from Youngstown State, another team projected to finish at the top, and taking two from Northern Kentucky this past weekend, including an overtime win. And now they have a really good Wright State team coming up next. This is a huge weekend for Cleveland State and a huge weekend for the Wright State Raiders as they look uh, to keep the cushion between them and Cleveland State at the top from growing any larger. ESPNU, Wright State, Cleveland State, a big one here, a big one for the Horizon League that's going to be showcased on the ESPN Family and Networks coming up this weekend but i want to talk more and go in depth about the cleveland state vikings and joining us now the voice of the cleveland state vikings men's basketball team we have al palowski joining us al welcome in sir how are you today hey justin thanks for having me great to be here absolutely and then just a reminder to all of our listeners that today's interview as well as all interviews on the reach the horizon podcast are brought to you by health and wellness company zervita changing lives for the better through nutritional and performance-based products and opportunities now, look, uh, Cleveland State's a program that fascinates me, for, for one, be, just because of the ebbs and the flows and the ups and the downs that all programs face. But there is nothing better than when you have faced so many down years that one year you finally break through. And that's what's happening right now for the Vikings. We saw signs of, you know, signs of things improving last year. Dennis Gates goes on to win co-coach of the year in the conference. What is clicking right now? What, what is it that all of a sudden this team went from, you know, trending in the right direction to now being in the right direction? What is clicking right now in your eyes? Well, the biggest thing was Coach Gates was able to get some serious talent in here and, and get it in pretty quickly. Uh, going back to last summer, you recall he was hired in July of 2019, so he was the last Division One head coach hired for 2019-2020 that season. So by the time he got here in, in late July, uh, there were a number of kids that had already left. Uh, he had you know, a good six or seven scholarships to fill. So he was he was looking around and, and seeing what was there. So he already had some contacts from his time at Florida State, um, his assistant coaches uh, with uh, with Ryan Sharbaugh and Rob Summers and Drew Joyce. Uh, those guys, they had some contacts too. So he was able to find some kids late that, quite frankly, it seemed nobody else really wanted or, or nobody else at Cleveland State's level wanted. A couple of those guys, for example, are Craig Bodwan and Trey Gomillion. Well, they hit on both of them. They've been fantastic additions. Uh, Trey Gomillion had a career-high 23 against Youngstown State two or three weeks ago. Craig Bodwan, when healthy, has been the guy running the point. And, you know, this year so far, knock on wood, he's been very healthy for Cleveland State. But he runs that point very well for Dennis Gates. He plays major minutes. Trey Gomillion is probably the, the best defender for the Vikings as well, along with Spider Johnson. So you've, you've got a couple of guys that Dennis Gates got late that have really fit in well and really blossomed to this program. And then, of course, you take a look at what he's added this year, Demoy Hodge. I mean, that kid's a high major recruit easily, and yet he came to Cleveland State to play for Gates. He likes where this program was headed after just one year, and he liked Coach Gates. There's other players that have been added, too. Alec Oglesby was a much sought-after uh, recruit. A lot of mid-majors and a couple of high-majors were interested in him, but he chose Cleveland State. So getting good recruits, getting good talent here, 
The kids that stayed, like Spider Johnson, who stayed, he's really blossoming. Al Eichelberger really blossomed last year, too. I mean, how many offenses in college basketball run through the low post? And last year they were running their offense through the low post. So Al's just getting back healthy now. They've got some really good players. There's others I didn't mention, but that's been the key for this team to get where it is. There's a lot of talent here. They believe in what Dennis Gates is doing here. They all play together well. Um, the chemistry is there, and everybody. they got 17 kids on this roster, so they've got a number of walk-ons. Demetrius Terry plays, even if it's only a couple of minutes, he plays every game. Uh, Jeremy Sanchez, as a walk-on, started some games last year. So 1 through 17, they've all bought in. They all stick together. There's great chemistry. You add talent with chemistry, and you get what Cleveland State's doing this year. Now, obviously, undefeated uh, in the conference in the Horizon League, they're eight and three overall. All three of their losses coming in the non-conference, and you know, to start the season, Cleveland State, everyone uh, remembered them around college basketball for the forty-zero run that they had given up. I believe it was—I think it was against Ohio, correct? It was against uh, the Bobcats out of the MAC. But then they, you know, they faced Ohio State, a top twenty-five team, to close out non-conference, uh, play them tight, lose by six, and then they've taken off in the conference. Now, I started the conversation saying. Cleveland State, they've been a surprise team this season. Are they a surprise, though? I mean, you talked about Dennis Gates bringing in these talented players. We saw the team start to really gel last season and really you know, play some tight games and play together. I keep saying they're a surprise team, but do they view themselves as a surprise team, and do you view them as a surprise team when you look at all the talent they have, a great coach in Dennis Gates, and just a, a positive mojo in the direction of the program right now? Yeah, just I think you bring up a great question and a great point with that, too. Those of us around the program are not really surprised by what's going on. I don't think anybody forecasted 8-0 because things happen, and you've mm-hmm. you got to play road games, and it's tough to win on the road. So nobody would forecast that. But, you know, if you'd have told me, like, hey, they're going to win six out of their first eight Horizon games at least, I would not have been surprised at all. I know that Dennis Gates and the, and the team isn't necessarily surprised. They knew they could do it. If you see the way they played last year in the last month, month and a half, you could see this team was really coming on and coming together, and you knew that the core was coming back. You know, you lost a couple of guys you'd love to have, like Cash Thomas. Uh, he was a great kid, great senior last year. He graduated. But other than him, maybe another player or two, I mean, you'd love to have had him still here, but bottom line, the core guys were coming back, and he had some great re- recruits coming in as well. So you felt they were going to improve. If you look at their out-of-conference schedule, and you just simply looked at that OU game, which a lot of people did across the country. That stood out, the 40 nothing run. And they missed everything else. They missed the game in Toledo. Nobody really knew about that. They saw they lost by, what, nine points mm-hmm. in Toledo. And if you saw that game, I mean, Cleveland State led for 36 minutes. They were up by 12 at the half. They thoroughly outplayed Toledo. And if the fouls were anything close to even, Cleveland State wins that game easy. Cleveland State simply outplayed Toledo. So they should have won that game. OU wasn't a good game. There's no way around it. They didn't shoot well. They didn't play defense well. That was the one bad game this year, the one anomaly. Then that next week, they go down to Columbus and play Ohio State, and midway through the second half, they're within a point. They only lose by six. They were right in that game. They could have won that game. They were in it until the last minute or so. Um, Not a game I'm going to say that they should have won, but a game that they could have. So you look at all the games they played this year, 10 out of the 11 games, they easily could be 10-1. 10-1. Uh, they should be at the very least 9-2 and two because they had that Toledo game won. But this is a team that overall this year has played very well. Um, it would have been interesting to see, and I'm not saying they would have gone down to Duke or Kentucky and beat them because they were on the schedule this year. But they also had Nebraska on the schedule. 
So out of those three high majors, I would have loved to have seen Cleveland State play those games and see where they are this year because I think they could maybe go into a place like Nebraska and win that game. They could go down to Kentucky and be competitive with the Wildcats. That would have been fun. So the only high major game they got this year was Ohio State because of COVID. Um, they were they were right in that game as we talked about. So uh, it's again, it's a great point, a great question you bring up. Is there a surprise? I think around the program, not necessarily, but for the people that don't pay close attention and just look at numbers and final scores and records, yeah, I think it's I think it's a huge surprise because the, like you said, all of a sudden you look at the last four or five years and this team has struggled to get close to five hundred. Now there ain't no in the Horizon League, and people are saying, whoa, where did this come from? Well, you can see it building from the day Chase was hired, <laughs> but unless you're, unless you're paying attention really closely, it's not, it, it would not be easy to see. You know, in Cleveland State's, uh, I mean, always had a fantastic program. Obviously, there's bumps in the road along the way, and you could say that about any program. But, I, I mean, I think back to, you know, I'm we're, I'm recording this podcast here in Dayton, Ohio, Norris Cole. Uh, you know, so I followed the program closely then. And then when I first started working with the league and covering Wright State here in Dayton, uh, you know, I first started covering them when Gary Waters was here. And they had names like Trey Lewis and Bryn Forbes and Anton Grady, all guys that ultimately transferred out to, you know, to bigger programs. Bryn Forbes playing in the NBA right now. They've always been able to get good players, even in the down years. I mean, Tyree Appleby, who who most recently transferred out, but the stability at head coach and the job that Dennis Gates has done, it just finally feels, even from an outsider's perspective like mine, that stability has been what has been missing for a while, and that's what Dennis Gates provides. And it's refreshing. Last week on the podcast, we had Jordan Burnfield uh, with ESPN. He, he calls all the games on ESPN on Friday nights for the league. And he said the one thing that's been most refreshing about Cleveland State is just new blood. Because for so many years now, it's been Wright State, it's been Northern Kentucky and UIC and Oakland all battling it out at the top. Now we're getting some new blood in there. Youngstown State's competing, although they're down right now with injuries. Cleveland State now has turned the corner thanks to Dennis Gates and the job he's done and the players and his st- and the staff he has. So it, it's fun to see new blood and to see Cleveland State returning to what we've been used to seeing from them, especially you know just over 10 years ago. Yeah, and Cleveland State really did. You, you, know, you bring up a good point with the good players they've had in the past and you know, if those players all would have stayed at Cleveland State and stayed at the mid-major level, um, who knows? I mean, this program would, would probably continue to win. You know, Gary Waters brought it back from a spot where it was, you know, really struggling after Raleigh Mazzamino left. His last couple of years were not good. Uh, Mike Garland was a great guy. I worked with him his last year in Cleveland, but he could never figure out how to how to bring Cleveland State to prominence. Gary Waters did, um, and then towards the end of, of Gary's tenure, some of these kids just simply left, and it was frustrating from a from a program standpoint. You look at what he did for the kids; he always did right by them. He was always trying to, you know, not only be a good basketball coach, but make sure the kids were were on time to graduate. There's a lot of coaches throughout the country that don't care about that, or you know, hope that they stick, or you know, it, academically that they would have another year of eligibility, and you know, maybe slowing down. That wasn't Gary Waters. That's definitely not Dennis Gates either. I mean, these guys want the kids to develop it, and they they want them to to take the next step as a human being, not just as a basketball player. And if those guys would have stayed here, you know, I I always always said this, you know, when Trey Lewis transferred out, it's like, you know, you look at the special talent that he was in college basketball, and then you look at the mid-major players that, that are able to be drafted and play in the NBA, and Norris Cole is a great example of that. If Norris Cole goes to a high major, He's just another good player at a high major program. He comes to Cleveland State. He's the star of the team by his senior year. He's the star of the league. Everybody in the NBA has taken notice. 
He's a first-round draft pick. I think Trey Lewis and some other guys that transferred out, even Brent Forbes, then ended up working out for Brent, so congrats to him for making it to the NBA. But if you stay at a mid-major institution like a place like Cleveland State or Wright State or Youngstown State with Darius Quisenberry, you're going to get noticed more because the scouts will tell you a mid-major kid that's the star of his team and the star of his league will have the ball in his hands all the time, will probably play for four years, will get more development than a player at his same skill level at a high-major program. You know, Rob Edwards could be a good example mm-hmm. he left to go to Arizona. Here's a kid, you know, he went to Arizona State. Here's a kid that's got talent, right? So if he stays at Cleveland State, he gets more exposure. He goes to Arizona State, he's a good player there, but do the NBA scouts take notice of him like they did in Norris Cole when he was playing in the league? Or other players that, that played in the HL that get those NBA looks. That's the thing with playing in a league like the Horizon League. If you're a great player, you can get to the NBA. Cedric Jackson for Cleveland State played in the NBA in a couple of 10-day contracts, and then he was Mr. New Zealand Basketball. So if the kids realize that, that there's an opportunity in the Horizon League at some of these basketball programs that can win some big games, like Cleveland State did and is doing again, like Wright State has, like Butler did when they were in it, like Valpo did when they were in it, you can make it to the next level. In fact, I would say you're much better off being in the Horizon League than you are in a high major league like the Big Ten or the SEC or a league like that. So, yeah, it is it is great to have Cleveland State back up there, especially for me because I've been calling <laughs> games for 16 years and it's a ton of fun when they're doing well. Now, and, and correct me if I'm wrong because, you know, we talk about, you know, what could have been if certain players – you know, were able to play their whole career in the Horizon League, and you made a good point. You know, they're the featured star. They have the ball in their hands here to where they're just another guy on a team somewhere else. They're the featured guy here. But correct me if I'm wrong. You know, you talked about Trey Lewis. I believe he transferred to Louisville. Anton Grady went to Wichita State. Bryn Forbes to Michigan State. Those three would have all played together, correct? They would have all been on the same? Correct. That, that's a top 25 team. Like now we're not just talking about oh Cleveland State being uh, you know you know winning the conference and then getting into the, that would have been a top twenty five at large team something we haven't seen in the conference since Butler that that was huge that was a huge blow to the program because I remember thinking looking back saying man Cleveland State that would that team would have been something special had those three all stayed together and and Gary Waters you know hell of a coach uh, when he was there too building around that that would have been something special I'm, I, I'm sure. Well, and Justin, not just those three, and you're right; those three would have played together, and with that group. With that group playing with them would have been Marlon Mason and Charlie Lee, who were nice role players, right? They would have, you know, with that group, they would have been role players, okay? There's five. Let me give you two more. Uh, Junior and Wamba, he's another kid that Cleveland State had as a freshman. He left because he thought his path was blocked by Bryn Forbes. And then, ironically enough, Bryn transfers out. But he was another guy. And Ike Wamu was another guy who played in the NCAA tournament when he went to, to Mercer. So I just gave you seven guys that were all high major type of players that would have been been on that Cleveland State team. You're right. It would have been another team. I mean, it would have been very similar for a couple of years. Cleveland State would have had the same sort of talent that Butler did when they had Hayward and Mack and, and, you know, NBA-type talent that then was taking that program to the next level. Cleveland State had all those kids stayed. Yes, you're right. They would have probably gone to the tournament a couple of times had a very good shot at winning a couple of games and gone to the Sweet 16. And, yes, you're right, they probably would have been a top 25 team. 
Man, that would have been that would have been something. But that's in the past. We're focusing on this team, and I appreciate your time today, Al. I know we're going a little over, and we're we're wrapping it up here. Uh, but you know, Cleveland State very good history, even throughout the down years. Looking back, and that's you know that's been fun about this conversation. But but this team is something special right now. They have a lot of positive energy going in their direction. It they're eight no, and I'm not going to take anything away from that because it's tough to win right now. Wright State has a really good team. I follow this team closely. It is tough to win against the same team on back to back nights. Twice I've seen Wright State already this year beat Oakland, beat an Oakland team who who isn't very good record wise. You know their team always plays hard for Coach Campy, but they, they don't have a, a great team this year. Wright State blows them out by 41 night, loses by 10 the next. This past weekend, Wright State, Youngstown State, uh, they lose at the buzzer on ESPN two this past Friday night, and they turn right back around and beat them by 40 the next day. It's so strange, this new scheduling model that the Horizon League went with this year due to the, to, uh, due to the virus. It's tough to win, and yet here's Cleveland State at 8-0. and They're for real. Like, we, we can't t- you know nitpick and say, oh, well, they haven't played the best of the conference. They just swept NKU, you beat Youngstown State, and they have a great opportunity uh, to show out against Wright State coming up on ESPNU this Friday. As you send us out, Al, just send us out with your thoughts on this matchup because this is huge. But we're not talking about must-wins in January too often. This is a must-win weekend for Wright State due to the back-to-backs because you won't get Cleveland State later in the year. This is a must-win weekend for Wright State, and Cleveland State has a huge opportunity to create that gap between them and what was supposed to be the number one team coming in to the season. Well, yeah, you, you, you've summed it up pretty well. And, you know, speaking of local kids, Tory Patton from yes, State Yes, Trotwood, absolutely. He's going to be back, and he's one of Cleveland State's big players. Um, so, you know, he's a guy to watch in all the Horizon League games this year. He scored a minimum of 12 points. He's been between 12 and 19 points in all 18 games, this, or I'm sorry, all eight games this year for Cleveland State in the HL. So he's averaging more than 15 points a game. He's been Mr. Consistency. Um, he's averaging more than uh, seven. It's almost eight rebounds a game per Horizon League contest. I think he's about at 15 and eight. So he's a key player this weekend to watch for Cleveland State. Uh, one of the reasons why Cleveland State is so good on those second games of the back-to-backs is they have depth. Generally, Dennis Gates will rotate up to 10 players per game. Occasionally, somebody might get in on, on Saturday that didn't play on Friday, and he's still a good player. That's where Cleveland State has been very good this year, if you look at their depth. So when you take a look at Cleveland State and Wright State, you take a look at Wright State's top four or five players, and you look at Cleveland State's top four or five players, it's fairly even. You might even give the edge to Wright State. Um, If you look at Wright State's next six to ten players and look at Cleveland State's next six to ten players, I would say the advantage there is Cleveland State. So that's why they've been able to go 8-0. That's why they've been able to win two games, because they have some depth. If somebody gets in foul trouble, if somebody gets hurt, if somebody just doesn't have it one night, Dennis Gates has got another player or two or three he can go to, rotate in. You know, he can bring in those walk-ons like he does Demetrius Terry, and he's going to play hard defense for two, three, or four minutes in the second half and wear down another team's point guard just by the way he's going to hustle and get after it. So I think it's going to be a great showdown this weekend for the Horizon League. Um, Wright State obviously is the favorite because they're at home. They have the track record. Uh, they've been there before, so you've got to give them the edge. But I like Cleveland State uh, this weekend, too. I think they're going to be good games. Hard to predict who's going to win them because you just don't know how the games are are going to go. But I think it's going to be a good matchup. Uh, I could see an argument for either team 
winning on Friday and then either team winning again on Saturday. So it should be a lot of fun. All right. Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. Al Pulowski, our guest on this week's edition of the podcast. And, uh, again, a big one this Friday night, ESPNU, Wright State, Cleveland State, 8-0 Vikings looking to remain undefeated, and they have another big test. They just had NKU last weekend. They got Wright State this weekend, uh, and they're just going to continue doing what they've been doing all year, just taking care of one game at a time. Al, thank you so much for your time. I beyond appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk. Thank you for your time today. Looking forward to the game this weekend. Thanks, Justin. Great to be here.